I'm in love with that name of Jesus tonight. How about you? Why don't we give the Lord a good hand clap of praise? What an honor it is to be in Mile High Conference again. And I am so thrilled to see so many uh, friendly faces sitting out there. I, my wife and I found it real easy to fall in love with the Haymans many years ago. And uh, I count them as some of the dearest friends God ever gave a man. And I am grateful for the privilege and opportunity to stand here and try to break the bread of life one more time to you. I, I have just been in awe and amazement in my uh, sitting on the front seat here in this conference. We have heard some preaching. I, I don't know that I've ever heard Brother Marler before, but Pentecost needs to hear what that man preached last night. Wasn't that from the Holy Ghost? That was God. Thank you for that, my Lord. And then Brother Weeks, Lord, that man's got a gift. I can't even describe it. What an awesome message this morning. And Brother Tim Spell just outdid himself. The man ain't right. I, I just, I, I have good news for you. I have a 20-minute message. It's going to take me an hour to get there, but I've got a... I got a 20-minute message. I, uh, I know how I'm going to die. I don't know what I'm going to die with. Don't really care. And I really don't know when I'm going to die. And to me, that's not really important. But I know how I'm going to die. I'm going to die in love with that girl right over there. I'm going to die being faithful to her. I'm going to die setting a godly example to my children. I'm going to die in love with this book. I'm going to die believing Jesus is God. I'm going to die in love with holiness. I'll be all right directly. I'm going to die in love with this Acts 2.38 message. My father's preaching was not in vain because it got to me. We just can't. I want to preach to you tonight from my heart. And I just got cornbread and beans. And I'll get past this crying jag directly and then you'll wish I was crying again. Amen. I want to read from the book of Psalms, Psalms 49, and I invite you to turn with me. Psalms 49, and I want to read, I believe starting with verse number 14. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, 
and my Lord hath forgotten me. Thank you. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee in the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. And I hate that you cannot see the graphics. But maybe you can at least better than I can. But I was trying to show you that the Lord was saying, I haven't forgot you. And... Israel had just come out of bondage. And it looks like their walls had fallen down and yes. the houses were destroyed. And they just had the bleakest future that they had ever had. And it looked like God didn't care where they were at and what they were going through. And so the Lord gets in a dialogue with Israel and he said, I hadn't forgot about you. He said, a mama with a new baby might forget her baby. But I'm not going to forget you. As a matter of fact, I got your name right here in my hand. Every time I look at my hands, I, I think about you. I'm reminded of you every day. About the time I get upset with you sometimes and I reach to pick up a sword, I have to pull my hand back. Mercy makes me look at your name in my hand and I can't do nothing because I got your name there. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, it reads like this, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And everyone said amen. amen. I want to preach on I'm in his hands. He's in my heart. It's not just enough for me to be in his hands, I'm glad to tell you I, I got it in my heart. Anybody here got it in your heart tonight? Why don't we ask God's blessing upon the remainder of the service here tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. You don't accidentally get your name in his hand. He puts it there. When I think about my name being his hand, to me, the right hand of God speaks of power. He's put my name there. When I think about his hands, I think about authority. And just to imagine that my name is in, included. 
I can use the authority even of his name. But it speaks to me more of that. It even speaks to me of safety. I hear the words in the New Testament where Jesus said that he was referring, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about us being in his hands. He said, and no man can pluck them from my hands. Once you get in his hands, you can accuse me of being a Baptist tonight, but I believe that enough security that you can have in God that no devil in hell can jerk you out of his hands. This bus is going to Chicago. And I'm, I made a little statement preaching for Brother Pixler some years ago about a, a little shuttle we have in South Bend that goes to the Chicago airport and says Chicago on the bus. And that bus is predestined for Chicago. If you get on it, you're going where that bus is going. You're not predestined, but the bus is predestined. I'm not predestined to go to heaven or to go to hell. But if I stay on this bus, I'm gonna go where this bus is going. And as long as I stay in his, the devil can't take me out of here. I can take myself out of here. But as long as I stay in his hands, I'm in good shape. All state tells you that you're in good, good hands when you're in their head. I'm telling you when you're in his hands, you're in safety because no one can pluck you out of his hands. Are you glad about that tonight? If I talk about being in his hands, I've got to talk about his care. <laughs> no one ever cared for me like Jesus. All right. Oh, one of the oldest songs that we know in Pentecost nearly, but you let an old timer get up and sing it, it won't be long before some tears are going to be shed running down some cheeks because we realize nobody cared for me like Jesus. That's why you're here. Can't nobody love you like he loves you. Won't nobody do for you what he has done for you. Amen, amen. And then I would tell you that it not only represents power and authority and safety and care, but it speaks to me of love. <laughs> you see them, I mean, them big, bad motorcycle riders, hell's angel guys, they got tattoos that says mom. They, they got names of folks they love. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I, I got a twisted mind. You knew, I know it, it ain't no secret, so you know, you don't have to pity me or nothing. <clears throat> but the book said, God is for me. And I was, I was driving down the road and I saw somebody pull out an old bumper sticker, put it on and said, I like Ike. And I got tickled, it's an old beat up pickup truck, said, I like Ike, because this guy was a throwback from a few generations. And I got to thinking, you know, if God had an old beat-up pickup truck and he put a bumper sticker on it, said, I like Marty. God is for me. He's got my name there. He's got your name there. Ben Weeks. Don Heyman. Sorry, there's no Jonathan Alviar here. <laughs> Just keep praying. <laughs> we have a special service when I'm done here. I'm in his hands. I was there and I didn't know it. Israel was there and they didn't know it. They couldn't put themselves in his hands. He put them there. 
Wesley tells me that it was a custom of ancient men to write down or to mark in their hands or put signs in there so they wouldn't forget. I'm here to tell you God hasn't forgotten about you. The devil may make you feel like you're all alone and he may make you feel like there is no hope for you that that God has neglected you and forsaken you but I want to go on record as saying God knows where you're at tonight. He said that I have graven your names in my hands. This is Ballastero, so take it as Ballastero. How did it get there? I'm just saying it got there by the nails of Calvary. When he put my name in his hands, thank God for the day that blood was shed and my name was forever written in his hands. Oh, he's not going to forget about you. But it doesn't stop there. He said, thy walls are ever before, are continually before me. What in the cornbread world does that mean? There was no walls. They were broken. They had fallen down. The houses were gone. The fields were all grown up and trees and bushes everywhere. And the Lord was acting like he could see the walls. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't build a wall in a day. And you won't build one by yourself. It's going to take a project of lots of people to build a wall. Yet the Lord was saying, they're continually before me. Uh, I just want to tell somebody who feels a little hopeless here tonight. God is not looking at you like you are right now. He's looking at the man and looking at the woman that you will be when he gets done with you and that you shall be when you grow into spiritual maturity. He sees your finished product. You feel all you see now is what's torn down and what's wasted. Backslider, there's hope for you in the house tonight. Wayward Christian or lukewarm saint, you ought to feel happy tonight that God has some hope for you because he sees you not as you are tonight, but as you shall be when he's through with you. Wouldn't it be terrible Oh, just to not be impressed and not to be happy with these names? Doesn't that mean anything to you? I tell you what, I, I've been so close to crying all afternoon. I, I just, I have to make myself, I'm hard-headed, but I'm tender-hearted, and it's a hard thing to reconcile sometimes. I, I'll just tell you this right now. I, I, I'm 60 years old, and I, I have not a wealth of years left, even should the Lord tarry. But let me just say this much. Life is too short for me to spend my life around a bunch of hard-hearted people they can't have that can't be touched with the things of God. I like to laugh, but I, I'm willing to get down and cry too. I want to find somebody that likes to have a good time, but talk to me about the book. Talk to me about the things of God. We're too close to eternity to be playing games with, with the things that we have right now. This is no time to take for granted what God has gifted us with here. You know, the walls. They, they were, walls were for safety. They were for even spiritual safety. I read in the, the book of Isaiah, and I'm not going to turn there, but it said, thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. I want you to know these walls are here for a purpose. The gates are there for a reason. Didn't even know they were there. Oh, here's old Job. 
feeling kind of vulnerable, and he didn't even realize that God had even made sure that there was a wall around him. But that's not really where I want to go. I'm wanting to talk about, I want to camp for a while. I, Lord, I, I don't even know enough to preach about being in his hands. I, I'm, I'm about, well, like one of my friends said, everybody's a little crazy and some more than others. And I, I'm, I'm a little a little lacking in my understanding and all the depth to this passage of Scripture. Brother Pixler will explain all of that in the morning. But right now, I want to camp where I feel more comfortable. And that is on this part. He's in my heart. Say it with me. He's in my heart. You may not have had a whole lot to do with it getting there, but you're going to have a whole lot to do with it getting here. I want it in my heart. Can I get a witness, somebody? <clears throat> the last, I, I, let me, I'm, I'm going to be a little sentimental here, so deal with it. The, the memory that runs through my mind now is my mother pushing my father in a wheelchair to me as I'm sitting at the couch, on the couch, and she said, Honey, Daddy has a few words he wants to say to you. He's in about his sixth, almost his seventh year of Alzheimer's. And every now and then you would have a lucid few minutes and you take advantage of that lucidness and you, 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 you try to interact with him a little bit. And Daddy sat there with that faraway look in his eyes and he said, Son, I want to give you my final charge. Preach the word. Tears started to run down my cheek. <clears throat> he said, fall in love with this message. Then he looked at my mother and said, take care of your mama. And other things that my father said to me, but foremost in his mind was, preach the word. We uh, saw that my father was getting Alzheimer's and mother and some of us kids had talked behind daddy's back. And so daddy was preaching for me there in, in South Bend visiting. It was an April morning and there was snow on the ground still. And it was fire in the fireplace and daddy hadn't shaved. He had a, a, a nice shirt on, but he had a, a wool shirt over that. Daddy was always cold natured and Mama had a, a, a house coat on. She was sitting at the piano, and she was playing. And I, I wanted to record the songs that Daddy and Mama sang together because I wanted my grandbabies to be able to hear my Daddy sing. And I said, Daddy, my father's half Irish and half Spanish. And I, I said, he'd memorized over 400 Irish ballads. So I said, sing some of those old Irish love songs and so daddy sang I'll take you home again Kathleen and and, and uh, mother McCree and when Irish eyes are smiling and he had his hand on mama's shoulder while mama played the piano and, and he he's waxed eloquent singing all those beautiful Irish songs and then he got a little more into it and he sang somewhere out in the west we'll build a little nest and let the rest of the world go by and then, for no reason that we could see, he just shifted gears. And he lifts his head up, and he begins to hold the hand up from Mama's shoulder now. And with his other hand, he begins to smite his chest. And he say, sings, it's in my heart. 
this melody of love divine. It's in my heart. I am his and he is mine. He might have been foggy with Alzheimer's, but he could still stop long enough to say it's in my heart. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to focus on the fact that if it doesn't get in your heart, you're not, you'll never make any progress. You'll never amount to a spiritual hill of beans, if as it were. I remember as a young man, I was in Brother Robert Cavanagh's church on old, old Pike Street in the old building. And, and my daddy had gotten done preaching that afternoon or teaching, whatever it was. And they all went out to eat, and I, I couldn't wait. I had to find a place to pray. And I finally crawled behind the baptistry and laid face down on the floor. And I began to groan and travail, and I began to sob, and I began to cry, saying, Oh, God. And, and I was desperate for a touch of God in my life. I didn't know for over 15 years, but Brother Evans told me many years later, he said, we, your dad and I came back into the building. We were looking for you. We didn't want to go off and eat without you. And he said, I heard you sobbing. There was no Sunday school rooms there to pray. There's no place to go. And so he said, we heard you sobbing. I said to your dad, I said, Carl, for God's sake, go talk to that boy. Go pray with him. He said, I can't eat knowing that boy is crying like that. And my dad shook his head no, and he said, for God's sake, why not? He said, because if he doesn't get a hold of God and God doesn't get a hold of him, he'll never amount to hill of beans. You want to help that little chicken pick out of that eggshell. But honey, if you do, you're going to mess it up for them. They've got to get out by themselves. I want you to know every generation has got to get this for themselves. I can't hang on to mama no more. You don't have a daddy to tell you anything more. You got to have it in here for yourself. I want to challenge everybody in the sound of my voice. For God's sake, get this in your heart. We're living in a day when a lot of folks want to compromise and sell it down the river. But the thing that keeps you here and the thing that keeps this pulpit clear is that somebody got it in their heart. It's one thing to have a man preach it. It's one thing to have a man stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. But thank God for saints that want to hear it preached because they got it in their heart. Clap your hands to the Lord. Relationship with Jesus Christ is a one-way, is a two-way street. There's no future in him having your name in his hands if you can't get his name in your heart. <sighs> I like what God said about David. He said, because it was in your heart. David made another statement one time. He said, my heart is fixed. I read about, a play, about some folks called Laodicea. It wasn't in their heart. You hear what I'm talking about? Oh, God just made a, a small, simple request in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verse 4 said here, Holy Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. By the time you get to Deuteronomy 10 and 12, it's saying, And now, Israel... What doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God 
to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. It boils down to this, ladies and gentlemen. If we're going to do this, we might as well do it all the way. If we're going to take the time to wash our nasty bodies and brush our teeth and put on deodorant and put on some clothes that don't have too many wrinkles in them, we might as well get the best out of church since we're already here. If you're going to take the time to come here, we might as well have church. Amen, amen, amen. When I was just a young man, I was impressed by a king by the name of Amaziah. And I can't tell you how many times I preached about Amaziah. It said, and Amaziah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but yet not with a perfect heart as did his father David. He went through the motions. He had the motions. He knew how to clap his hands. He knew how to do everything just right, but he didn't have the perfect heart like his father David. I hate to see... I, I, I probably was a lousy pastor. And we have some folks that used to attend the church that I tried to pastor for a few years. They'll probably tell you I was a lousy pastor. I'm probably not a very good evangelist. I, maybe I'm just a talker. I don't know what I am. All I know is I, I, I'm 100% died in the wool, child of God, believe in one God apostolic message. There's no room for variation. I, there's some things not even debatable. I don't even want to read some books because I don't want that trash in my head. But Amaziah did the right things, but his heart wasn't in it. Now, this is very carnal, but if I went up to that woman, and, and our family is extremely slurpy, kissy, huggy, slurp. You don't like it, turn your head. We're going to kiss. Deal with it. Now, if I went up to her, she kissed, I kissed her on the cheek. She said, whatever. You don't want to know. That seems like how God approaches us sometimes. We kind of get hung up there. We just, we're not really enthused with the moving of the Holy Ghost as it comes through here. I, I still, even though my sons and my daughters grown, they're all out of the house, I, I, the, that fatherhood thing still is in me. And so I write them what I call mini epistles. And I sometimes three or four pages, and I'll email them to all my children, to my sons, my daughters-in-law, my daughter, my son-in-law. And one time I dealt with this man called Jonah who was involved in ministry without a burden, without, involved in ministry, life-saving ministry, but he wasn't doing it with all of his heart. There is something lacking when we go through the motions, whether it's preaching, playing music, singing in a choir, coming to church, putting our hands together. For God's sake, if we ever got our heart into anything, this is a day to get our heart in living for God. All right, bear with me. I'm going to get there. There are some signs that it's not in your heart. Let's talk about worship a little bit. You know, Jesus challenged some people. He said, because you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You're saying the right things, but it's not down in your heart. If anybody knows whether or not you're doing it with all your heart, he knows. I, let, let me tell you, when this gets down in your heart, you... When it comes to worship service, you can't stay seated. Your hands automatically just want to get in the air. Your hands want to get put together because it's in your heart. 
Don't tell me you got it in your heart and you're sitting there like a bump on the log and you can't have church and everybody else is shouting all around you. It's not in your heart. It's just in your head. All of us probably could tell you if even some Bible quizzers that can quote you 2,000 scriptures. But they're still dating sinner boyfriends and sinner girlfriends. They got it in their head. They just don't have it in their heart. And ladies and gentlemen, we can read all the scriptures and we can wear our dresses and we can, oh, Jesus. But the day that it gets in your heart, that is a day that something special happens. You know, when your kids get married, they move off, they can pretty much do what they want to do. I remember here some uh, four or five years ago, my daughter called me up. She said, Daddy, here she is married now, living in another state. She said, Daddy, I, you're never going to have to worry about me and holiness. And I, I was afraid to respond. I didn't know what the next line was going to be. She said, because I got it for myself. And she started crying, and I started talking in tongues, and I started crying because that's all that any parent can hope for is that their kids can get it for themselves. The day that you finally get this for yourself. But the Pony Express changed horses. Keep this one. All right. I just changed horses in the middle of the street. That's what I'm talking about. I know what it's like to go to a church as a teenager and say, God, I don't have a revelation of who you are, but I'm going to stay here till you open my eyes today. i got to get this for myself. And while I was praying, the Bible fell open to the book of Timothy where it said it without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It was God that preached unto the Gentiles. It was God that was believed on in the world. It was God that was seen of angels. It was God that was received up into glory. Who did we call him? We called him Jesus. The book called him God. It may not have been politically correct, but the whole Indian nation would have been envious of the war hoop I let loose. I did the hucklebuck, the stomp, the twist, Again, like we did last summer, baby. I did the mashed potato. I did all kinds of dances. I had never danced before. But I danced that day. Why? Because I got it for myself. I've seen some of the most wonderful people that you could ever hope to talk to. Nice people, personable. But they can sit through more worship services and never move. We went to different schools. We was raised in different prayer rooms. I don't understand how you can say that you have the Holy Ghost and there's never anything happening down in here. Now, bless your heart. I might, be, I might run and I might jump up and kick my heels together and I might do all kinds of crazy things. You don't have to do what I do to let him know you love him. But for God's sake, everybody ought to do something. Everybody needs to do something to praise him. Surely you can get a hand in the air once in a while. Surely you can squeeze a tear out of the old. 
How hard is it to put your hands together? I see young people can't do a thing in here, but they can holler on a basketball court. They can get all worked up playing soccer or football. Let me just tell you, Mom and Dad, not all, not all young people want to go to hell. And if you've got a son or a daughter in this church or whatever church that's sitting on the front row clapping their hands, singing and testifying, dressing God and holy, you need to be the most grateful person in the whole world. They got it for themselves. And it probably wouldn't hurt for you to cut them some slack once in a while. Don't... Don't shout me down now when I'm preaching good. I said it probably won't hurt you to cut them some slack once in a while. They're up here praising God. They're up here having church. Come on, put your hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Sit down, it ain't that good. It, it gets better, brother. Okay. God help us. Maybe it's just that I go through a lot of churches and I'm here preaching. And, I, and maybe I catch a lot of churches when they're at their lowest. I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it's me. But I see hungry people crying in the prayer rooms and praying. And I see some people that claim to have the Holy Ghost. Some of them claim to have a job in the church or some position of some kind. You never get so high and mighty. You never have so much seniority that you're exempt from praising God. Worship is everybody's business. Having church is everybody's business. And you will never convince me it's in your heart when you just get the patty cake, a patty cake, a baker's man, a roly dough, roly dough, as fast as you can. I had him come to me say, uh, Brother Astero, uh, I got some company coming tonight, and uh, if you could have Brother Gene kind of be quiet, and if Brother Silver's not say nothing, because... Uh, uh, I don't want the people to get scared off, you know, because they're, they're kind of, because that Gene, he runs and he bounces off the wall, runs over there and bounces off the wall. And, and, and Silvers, he's, oh, he's an odd duck. And, and I said, the only people I allow to criticize worshiping in this church is other worshipers. And one worshiper won't criticize another worshiper. I said, I refuse to say anything to them because they're right now, for the last three weeks, they're the only two doing any praising. And these folks aren't coming out here to see some Methodist service. They're coming out to see a move of God. They want the place where the Holy Ghost is. Oh, Lord. And, uh, do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that there are folks all over this world that have a problem with worship? I don't understand 
how that you can claim to have the same Holy Ghost I got and you have a problem with worship. It's already in the book that tells you to go ahead and praise him. Worship has already been decided years ago before you and I ever stepped on the stage of the church. Worship was already in order. Before the world was created, in heaven they were busy worshiping and magnifying the name of God. They just let me come out on the second verse. They just let me come in on the course. I'm getting ready to sing when I get over yonder. And you think I'm gonna get quiet now? You think I'm gonna shut up now? No, I'm not, because it's in my heart. I got it in my heart. And just... Hey, don't give me that baloney that you can't worship because it's not your style of song. Well, I can only praise God on the, on the Southern Gospel. I'll tell you what, I'm into that. That contemporary gospel rap. Oh, Jesus. Listen, folks, if it's in your heart, you can worship on a fast song. If it's in your heart, you'll worship on a slow song. If it's in your heart, you're just waiting for a time to worship. You don't care if it's fast. You don't care if it's slow. You're going to be like David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I don't care what they do when I get there. All I know is I'm just going to praise God. Oh, Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm having a problem with... I'm having a problem with non-worshippers. I'm just uh, in pastoring. It was the non-worshippers that seemed to give me the most headaches. Pray for me that I'll uh, find the will of God for my life. And to them, the will of God for their life is a four-letter word spelled M-O-V-E. You know what? I, I, I'm not even close to being a genius or, or even super sharp. I, I'm, not, I'm not the sharpest knife in a drawer. But math came easy for me. Years ago, when, before they had all the scanners, they'd have to punch in and call out the numbers. I could stand and I could add them up in my head as fast as they could call them out. And, and I could come up to the total. And I was feeling pretty cool until they ran that algebra thing in on me. Now, understand I went to 26 schools growing up, so I didn't have continuity in my education. <laughs> Ask my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> but, but teachers love me. Everywhere I go, teachers love me. Why, well, they recognize talent wherever I went. Sometimes teachers like me so much, they pulled my desk right up beside theirs. So I, 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 could, I could be right there beside them. And there's other times that they knew that there was a bunch of low life and folks they didn't want me to have to mess with. So they put me in a room all by myself with coats and lunches and stuff. <laughs> and this terrorist thing, it ain't nothing new. I ain't scared about that. I, I, used, I used to guard schools from terrorists. They had me put my chair out in the hallway and guard that door so no terrorists could come in there. <laughs> and it was always getting in trouble for the same thing, talking. And now they're paying me for it. I don't understand what the deal is. 
That's what I'm talking about. But I saw that here's a guy that always made straight A's in anything related to math or science or what. And I'm getting this algebra. C. And the next report card said D. And the Holy Ghost, even though I didn't have it at the time, told me to transfer it to another subject. That's what I'm talking about. The Lord moves in mischievous ways sometimes. And so I, I did that. I minded the Lord, and I moved into radio shop, electricity shop, whatever, and I learned how to shock 40 guys on a middle table at one time. Just It's a gift. Some have it, some don't. And so I graduated from high school without any algebra or geometry or calculus. I had enough credits. I even got out of school early. And I uh, came back with my graduating class and graduated with them. And I turned 40. And it dawned on me of all the stuff in life, only one thing that I said to myself has whooped me. And I never learned algebra, and I'm going to do it. And I went down, I got me an algebra book and got me an algebra workbook. And I started going through it by myself, and I completed it. So there. And never used it since. It's 20 years ago. But what I do remember is that you can't find the unknown unless you first use the known. And so all of you trying to find the unknown will of God, pray for me, I find the will of God. Honey, pull this black back book out and start using the known will of God. He said for you to worship him. Don't be tell, acting like you're so spiritual want the will of God. You're not even doing the will of God sitting here. The will of God's for you to pay your tithes. The will of God's for you to be faithful. The will of God's for you to be holy. The will of God's for you to submit to the word of God. And then after you've done all that, if God has any more for you, he'll tell you through the word, of, the, through the man of God. That's all the announcements. You may be seated. Oh, come on, clap your hands together. I remember the day I stumbled across the fact that there was a custom in Israel that if you were a Hebrew slave, that you did not have to wash anybody's feet. That was the lowest of all trades. I've, I've mentioned it here before. I like it well enough. I'm going to say it again, so deal with it. And when, if, if you were a heathen, if you were a foreigner and a slave, they could make you do anything. But the Jewish slave, they, they could not force them to wash anybody's feet. If they did it, they had to do it out of love. They had to do it out of respect or honor. But you couldn't make them do it. Nobody makes me worship. Nobody makes me dress holy. Nobody makes me go where I go and don't go where I don't go and talk like I talk and don't talk like I don't talk. It got in my heart. I'm doing this because I love him. I'm doing this because I honor him. I'm doing this because I want to serve him. It got in my heart. It's no longer drudgery. I... The book said there was no beauty in him that any should desire him. 
And then I jump over to a, a, a ways and it says, but to him, them that know him, he is precious. I preached a sermon one time called, Is God Ugly? Somebody hollered out and said, Why no? You know what? Everything God made was ugly. The ark was ugly. The tabernacle was ugly on the outside. Everything was ugly till you got on the inside. There's, there's where the beauty was. My point was, if God is ugly to you, that means you don't know him very well. If worship is ugly to you, then you don't know him very well. If holiness is ugly to you, you don't know him very well. If paying tithes and faithfulness to the house of God is ugly to you, you don't know him very well. To them that know him, he is precious. Oh, Jesus. I hope to God that you understand what I'm saying here. When it gets in your heart, you are, your spirit is grieved with quiet prayer rooms. When it gets in your heart, your spirit is grieved with empty song services, with shallow worship songs that all it is is something that rhymes, but nothing ever connects in your heart. You want to sing something that reaches up and touches the heart of God. I'm saying you're tired of being in services night after night with no conviction. You're tired of, of worldly lifestyles and, and dead church services. Oh, thank God. God for the day that fire and life came into your very being. You see, when it gets into your heart on the subject of holiness, nobody has to keep reminding you, young ladies, where your knees are. When it gets in your heart, there's some sections in the department store you don't even think about going to because there's nothing over there that interests you when it gets in your heart. There's some counters you see that it's there, but you don't stop and look and wonder and watch. You just keep on moving because it got done in your heart. You don't even try some style of clothes on because godly people wouldn't wear anything that looked like that. It got down in your heart. When you go by the magazine rack, you don't pull up certain books and certain magazines and certain books because it got in your heart and you don't want that to get in your heart. You put that kind of stuff back down. Some things that you defend yourself against because it got in your heart. Oh, Jesus. Thank God for some godly looking young women. You don't find prettier girls in the whole world than what Pentecost has. Do you hear me? Denver, I want you to know you are a credit to the work of God. Thank God for preaching. Saints aren't just born. They don't want shazam. There's you, saint. It takes a heap of preaching to make a saint. Saints aren't born. They're made. And thank God for a man that preaches it, but thank God for lovely young ladies and handsome well, sort of. Guys that want to live for God. I'm sorry, guys, you don't do a thing for me. You, the girls may think you're good looking, but you're a bunch of ugly dudes as far as I'm concerned. We're all together in this. I don't see what women see in us, but all I can say is, thank God I got me one. <laughs> While I'm at it, you know where to find a girlfriend, find a wife? Boy, they got some they got some fine-looking sisters in the house. 
That's what I'm talking about. Don't be looking at the ones out in the parking lot or out in the vestibule. You want to find one? You find one right down here. You find one out there doing the dancing and the praising and the magnifying God. That's where you find a husband. I don't care how slick his car is and how much hair he has. My wife married me for my hair. I guess she's got it. I don't know what happened to it. Don't marry Listen, if you're dating somebody and you hear her talk against the standards, if you're dating somebody and you hear him fudging and talking about the standards, drop them like a hot potato. Something is wrong. I cried when I pulled up and I saw you bringing the car around. I, was, I don't want to embarrass you, son, but I was here a few months ago and you wasn't here. And I cried then. And I'm crying tonight because I see you here. My prayer for you tonight is, God, let him get it in his heart. Oh, I'm glad your body's here, but I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to get it in your heart and you to get it. I, I, I mean, everybody. Now, I don't mean just to personalize one, but this is everybody's business. You got to get it in. Whether mama goes on or not, you got to live for God. Whether, whether school keeps or not, you got to keep on living for God. Whether you have a friend in the world or not, you got to keep on living for God. Whether you got a job or not, you keep on living for God. When it gets in your heart, it affects what friendships you choose. Because when folks have it in their heart, they don't choose worldly friends for bosom friends. Because you don't have anything in common. Hear what I'm talking about? Do you know that Jonathan, give my man a hand here. Thank you, son. Jonathan and David were 17 years apart, if my memory serves me correctly. But Jonathan died and after Jonathan died David got in trouble with God David never got in trouble with God as long as Jonathan was alive a good friend a true friend won't let you get in trouble with God if you have to repent and feel condemnation and guilt when you leave your friend you come to church you know what all you've been what all you've been doing and saying and seeing you come down the altar, start praying. I can see the guilt and the condemnation on you. Why can't everybody else see it? It's there. But that day is going to be gone in your life when you get it in your heart because you won't hang around the folks that make you feel that way anymore. You won't hang around the folks that take you to those places anymore. Why? Because it's in my heart, this melody of love divine. It's in my heart. I'm his and he is mine. Oh, Jesus. Don't tell me it's in your heart and you got you a sinner girlfriend. Don't tell me it's in your heart and you got you a sinner boyfriend. You've seen somebody on the side. It ain't in your heart. It's just in your head. What you need to do is get it in your heart. We don't have a problem with knowledge today. We got the head knowledge. We just got to get it in our hearts. I can remember my father saying quite a few times. I've already preached 50 minutes. Almost 50 minutes. So deal with it. I got to go 10 more minutes before I get to my message. I told you, I warned you, you thought I was joking. <laughs> he quoted from the book of Romans, 
where Paul commended them for having received from the heart that form of doctrine that had been delivered unto them. And Daddy always said it takes two things to be saved, the right kind of heart and the right kind of doctrine. With a name like Martin Jose Ballesteros and all of our family on my father's side coming from Madrid and Barcelona, Spain, and all of my dad's mother's people coming from Ireland, your, our religion in the Ballesteros household was already predetermined for us before we were born. There are stories my daddy told me about our family members crawling on their knees, praying the rosary, going to mass. They had the right kind of heart. All they needed was the right kind of doctrine. Church, we've got the right kind of doctrine. All we need is the right kind of heart. God, give me the right kind of heart. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. <laughs> the Bible said that the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. How do you become a cheerful giver? The spirit of giving. God in your heart. And you will never be a cheerful giver until it gets in your heart. I want to read from the book of Exodus 35, verses 4 and 5, and through 20 and 29. And Moses spake unto all the congregation, I'm going to read this fast, of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart. And let him bring it and an offering to the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And all the congregation, and I'm skipping a number of verses now. And all the congregation of Israel, children of Israel, departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up. And everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and all the stuff that they'd stolen from Egypt when they come out. And some people still try to hang on to that. Anyway, keep rolling. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hairs and red skins of rams and badger skins brought them. And every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. You're doing good. And every man with whom was found shit and wood for any work of the service brought it. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hairs. And the rulers brought onyx stones. You see, some people, some preacher just want the saints to give. But here everybody was involved. The rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. And the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work which the Lord had made, for which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. That's back up. That's done right there. Thank you. I want to talk about giving. I hated as a pastor to stand up and have to make some big pull 
about having folks give to whatever need. Now, I understand we're going to be taking up a missionary offering. Is it tomorrow or, or is it some, sometime in this meeting? I, am in, I, I get embarrassed. I actually, I want to run. I, I get so embarrassed when people have to just stand and pull teeth begging folks to give. See, when it gets in your heart, when they say we're going to do something for the work of God, these people counted the, the house of God more important than their own house, more important than their own dwelling, than their own life. They focused on putting God's, first, God's place first, a place of preeminence. Put, I mean, put it up on a pedestal. I want you to know what you have. God gave it to you. And the same God that gave you that can give you a whole bunch more. But even if he doesn't give it to you a whole bunch more this week, you just go ahead and give because he wants you to give. It belongs to him. You got a problem paying tithes, it's not in your heart. This message is not in your heart. Living for God and loving God's not in your heart. When it gets in your heart, you can't wait to pay your tithes. You can't wait to bring an offering. Oh, Jesus, I... I I can't, I, I can't stay here. I, time's away from me, and i got to keep going. I could talk about faithfulness. L- let me just say, don't ever, whatever church you're a member of, don't make your pastor have to stand up and, and beg. Will, and when you know there's going to be an offering, or even if you don't know, be quick, be ready to, to respond. Some of, I think almost every one of us has been an old-time testimony service. Anybody else here got something on the heart? Are all hearts free? No, sound like all hearts are bound up to me. It's like pulling teeth. Lord, we's begging for my mama to stand up and testify. She could lie to fire under about anything. I'd love to have my mother travel with me. I just have her testify and I'll give all her calls. She might even do a better job of giving than me. But thank God for folks that got it in their heart. Give, give with all your heart. And watch God bless your life. He, it, even if it's not finances, God can still bless you. Hello. You know, I, I had a problem with uh, faithfulness with some people. You got two, three shifts that come out during revival. Your evangelist, you notice, well, there's a crowd that comes on Wednesdays, and there's a crowd that comes on Sunday nights, and there's a crowd that comes on Mondays. We had this devastating thing, thanks to Brother Spell. Come to our neck of the woods during the gasoline oil crisis back in the late 70s. And gas went clear up to 78 cents a gallon. And, uh, man, we was devastated. This couldn't hardly go anywhere. And uh, most all, well, not most all. Well, I, I, I almost said something I shouldn't have. But a lot of the ones that didn't really want to get involved in worship anyhow, they found it easy to get on second shift. And uh, here they are, they're working and coming to church. Now, we had one woman on that second shift, just folks just glad to have a job because a lot of folks got laid off. And old Sister Gilner would stand up and on Sunday morning. She said, oh, folks, I've waited all week to get to be here this morning. Lord, I just hated missing church. She said, y'all just, just, just let me catch up. And so here she is trying to worship, and I look around, I see some the old, big old, strong men. And they're not playing ketchup. They're not playing mustard or mayonnaise or nothing. They're just sitting there. 
And, and it made my tired hurt. And I said, I, I, I watched that for two or three weeks, and I said, oh, I'm so happy to bring you this wonderful announcement. Come Tuesday morning, there's going to be a special service for all those that have to work the second shift. And it is not an option. Everyone's required to be there. And so they all came, and they all found out that I made them all sit on the front row. And then we had a choir, and they all had to sing in the choir. I was the only one that sat out there and listened to them. <laughs> and they all had to testify, and they all had to give. I made the ushers wait for each one to give. Do you know within two weeks, everybody was back on days again? <laughs> Listen. Don't give me this. I don't care. Don't give me this mess about you having a hard time being in church. Get you a job where you can be faithful to the house of God. That 50 cents an hour more they're paying you to work nights is not worth it if you lose your soul. There's no job worth going to hell over. There's no girl worth going to hell over. There's no boy worth going over hell over. There's no friendship worth going to hell over. While I'm talking about faithfulness, we had a backslider pray through by the name of Mike McKinnis one night. Denny Morris was leading song service and he was singing, you may be high, you may be low, you may be rich, you may be poor. You got to say poor. But when the Lord gets ready, you got to move. And the Lord moved that night and Mike McKinnis, he had a hog leg underneath his coat there. He had a 357 Magnum. He, he managed seven trucking companies and there was some uh, some of the bad boys was uh, talking about him, and so he was carrying a little protection. And he decided it was a good time to get right with God. Been out of church about 16, 17 years. God knows how to build your prayer room, don't he? That's what I'm talking about. And Lord, he prayed through, and folks were just so excited. And his wife prayed through. We were just, oh, just happy. And so I said, this is something I've never done before. I said, y'all see this second row right here? There's nobody sitting just right there. That's your seat. You can have that. Now sit right there. That way I know you're here in service next again. Because we had so many thousands, you couldn't, you know, find everybody in our church. <laughs> Play like. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. And I, for nine weeks, Lord, he'd testify, and he'd shake his leg when he'd get out in the aisle and kind of testify. We used to have testimony services, you know. I was so thrilled. One Sunday morning, he wasn't there. He didn't call. Listen, you remember this church? You can't be here? Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. And don't try none of this stupid stuff and wait till you know they're in church and then call and leave a message on the house. You are low life. Shoot a little old sheriff they're riding Shetlands. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Listen, this, here's a man of God that has to pray for you and answer to God for you. Let, he don't know if you're sick, you're mad, you're dead. Sunday night, he wasn't there neither. So I said to Brother Morris, who's leading preliminaries, I said, keep the song service running until I get back. I had a 71 Buick Riviera with a 455 engine, four-barrel carburetor, and I stuck my foot through all four carburetors. I left me a patch of rubber, went from here to that post over there. The Lord's business demands haste, and so I, I bounced that back into that hot rod around the 
that parking lot when I hit that exit I had you know six eight blocks to go you got a short time to get there I pulled up the house I saw the car and I'm normally the politest door knocker in Pentecost and if you don't answer that forget it that's all you get but this day I knocked on the door they didn't answer they didn't answer They didn't answer. <laughs> Almost two minutes, somebody comes to the door. I said, yes. I said, is your husband here? She said, yes, I'll go get him. I said, no, you stay right there and holler for him. I want to talk to both of you. So I took that Dale Carnegie thing, and <laughs> that's how I know how to deal with folks. And so I said, I mean, they both had mud and dirt on them. They'd been working in the garden. And, and I said, answer me one question. You want to live for God or not? I said, I'm sick and tired of praying for folks who don't even want to live for God. If you want to live for God, you'll be at church in 20 minutes, so don't bother coming back at all. I'd never, well, you got kind of quiet, didn't you? I'd never said that before nor since, but I said it then. I got back in my car and left them a patch of rubber. And I got back to the church, and before I got the air out of my cushion real good, here they come through the front door. Mud and dirt, disheveled. They sat up there in the second row. They cried. I gave an altar call. They repented. They apologized to me. It seemed like they said something to the church. I'm happy to tell you that he's the pastor of that church tonight because he got it in his heart. The devil will try to get you to lay out a church, but you're not going to solve any problem staying home. You're not going to work one thing out laying out of the house of God. It's already been decided for you. Bring yourself to church. Oh, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying here. So go ahead and stand with me, would you please? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Hold off on the music just a minute, but get, get ready because I'm, I'm getting close. The word train there means to touch the palate. That word there. In other words, you are developing a taste in that child's mouth for the things of God. Uh, an old southern expression is to fling a craving on them. It's like the mama with an applesauce jar or a peaches jar or whatever. She got this spoon and going, num, 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 um, num, 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 num. And she's making that baby fall in love with applesauce or peaches or pears or whatever. That's as a parent, that's what you're supposed to do to help your kid fall in love with the things of God. My daddy was evangelist for 25 years. I don't ever know what it's like to say, is there church again tonight? Somehow my mom and dad made me feel like it was wonderful to go to church. And I found myself in God's house not begrudging the fact that I'm here, not running away, saying, oh man, I can't wait to get out of here, but loving every time. I, my, oh, I, haven't, I haven't even got time to say it. But thank God for moms and dads that make you fall in love with the house of God. You can drive your kids away from church if you're not careful. I'm getting ready to close with my last scripture here. Would you get up there on the board for me, brother? And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who's on the Lord's side? Hold it right there. They've just come down from the mountain with a couple tables of stone. He's just been there where God's given him the commandments. And they come down and folks are partying. And trust me, 
You don't even want anybody to describe to you all that was going on. It was as bad as you can imagine. And Moses looked at all that. He even got all the golden calf that they had made. And they just come up out of Egypt. It wasn't in their heart. Because first chance they got, they started worshiping a calf. And he says, well, he grinds it up and pours it in the river and makes him drink it. They've been gold and Jews' blood ever since. And he says to them, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. I'm done. You've been faithful. You see, Moses drew a line in the sand and said, there's 3,000 of them over there with no clothes on. Somebody needs to go kill them. We don't want this spirit still alive in the camp. Now, I'm not asking anybody to kill anybody here tonight. It may be in your heart, but hold, hold off for just a little bit. What I'm asking for you to do is I want somebody, whether it's a young man, a young woman, boy, girl, mom, and dad, I want somebody to declare themselves tonight and cross a line like these Levites did and said, living for God's in my heart. I'm willing to cross a line here. I want to go on record as being on the Lord's side. I don't want there to be any question in anybody's mind about how I'm living or what I'm thinking. I'm going to stand on the side of the Lord. I'm going to be on the Lord's side tonight. Is anybody in the house want to cross the line? Is anybody want to declare by doing so, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm willing to make a dedication. I'm willing to cross the line here tonight. I got this thing in my heart. If you're here and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can get the Holy Ghost tonight. All you need to do is ask God to forgive you of your sins. Get baptized in Jesus' name and he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on. Make room for folks coming down the aisle here tonight. Pray with hungry hearts. We got seekers in these altars already that want to cross the line. Anybody here want to live for Jesus? Anybody here want to say, God, it's in my heart. If it's not in your heart, don't go home till it gets in your heart. From the bottom of my heart to the depths of my soul, yes, Lord, completely, yes. From the bottom of my heart to the depth of my soul. Say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Completely yes. My soul says yes. Come on, say it. Yes, Lord. 
got to say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart to the depth of my soul. Yes, Lord, completely. 